Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 7. Now listen, this past Valentine's Day, like every other year, right? Consumers spend millions of dollars, millions of dollars just to tell that someone special in their life, I love you. How many of y'all spent a little money for Valentine's Day? Right? All the ladies are like, "Mm mm-mm, somebody did it. (laughs) But all around, you know, everywhere they celebrate Valentine's Day, we spend millions of dollars just to let that person know what? Say, I love you. Ooh, man, that just says how your Valentine's went. Oh, my God. Jesus. We talk about it. We sing about it. We search for it. Right? But exactly, let me ask you this. What is love exactly? What is love? And that's what I want to talk about. If you're taking notes today, write it down on your iPad, your phone, your tablet, whatever it is. If not, we'll, we'll, we'll have it appear on the screens. But I want you guys to pay attention and follow me, right? What is love? That is the question today. What is love? Now, when we say love, Pastor Bob, a whole bunch of things go through our mind. Why? Because we all have different definitions of what love is or how love feels, right? Okay, I could say, man, I love my wife. And then you bring me some ice cream. I'm like, ooh, I love ice cream too. You know what I'm saying? I love pizza. I love burgers. I love, you know, I guess you could tell, right? I love other things. So we use this word love to describe a strong feeling of emotions towards someone or something. So the word love has become so watered down. That we use it to just express a strong emotion or feeling towards someone or someone else. But what does the Bible say about love and how does the Bible define the word love? Because you have several different types of love, right? If we go back to the Greek uh, uh, definitions, uh, we have love, uh, eros, right? I think it's pronounced. Which is what? Romantic love, intimacy. We have uh, phileo, which is brotherly love. Philadelphia, that's where it comes, a city of brotherly love. The love you, 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 like Jojo, man. Bro, I love you, man. I love you, bro. Thank you, man. Please. <laughs> brotherly love, the, the love I have for my siblings. I have two older brothers, right? I'm the favorite. I mean, I'm the, I'm the youngest. <laughs> so I love them. I love my brothers. I love you guys here, man. But there's a love in the Greek that is agape or agape love, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Whether you're at a, a Hispanic church or you're at, no, I'm just joking. Agape love is the love of God that is unconditional. They say that the, the love of a, of a mother is like the closest love to God's love, right? And, and as a dad too, I, I, there's nothing I wouldn't do. I would sacrifice my life for my kids. We, we had a conversation. I don't know if y'all heard what, what happened in Houston, right, at, at Lakewood Church. You know, you, you pray for Lakewood. 
And everybody has their opinions and their, their differences and, oh, well, they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that, he shouldn't preach that. He, listen, at the end of the day, none of that matters right now. If he's preaching the gospel that Jesus died, was buried and rose again, and that's the only way to salvation, let him preach away. Now, if he starts preaching another way to salvation, then we've got some issues. But until then, that's our brother. His wife is our sister. That church is our sister church. And I don't know if y'all know, but was it last Sunday or two Sundays ago? I think it was last Sunday. There was a person who came in and, and started shooting in one of the, one of the hallways. And uh, where was I going with this? Oh, my God. I had a point. Agape, there you go. Right? I mean, so we were talking about this, and my, my, we, I talked about it to my son as well. You know, and as a father, I'm already making plans and like, you know, y'all sit on this side of the church in case somebody comes in that way, you know. So I'm telling my son this and he says, dad, says, would you, would you put your life in danger for me? And I said, son, you don't even know what I would do to protect you. I told him I would give up my life to save yours any day any second, in any situation. That's unconditional love. Now, do I fail? Do I make mistakes? Yes. But unconditional love is sacrificial love. And that is the way. When when the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, it wasn't just by, uh, it wasn't just a saying. It wasn't just an expression or, or a statement. He literally sacrificed his life for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. That is true love. That is agape love. Unconditional love of God. So what is love? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says this. Love is patient. (laughs) How many of us already failed the test on that one? Bruh, talk to me. Love is patient. I got an F on that one already. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Woo. My God. It does not boast. It is not proud. Now, the sense of proud or pride that it's talking about is not when you're like, I'm proud of my son, man. He did great. Great, great job, dad. I'm proud of you. I always tell my dad. Am I my dad? I call him dad. My, my son. Every day. Son, I'm proud of you. When we go to bed, I, I, you know, I pray with him. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I love you. I always affirm, right, or remind him, I'm proud of you, son. And he always asked me, why, dad? I said, for no reason. Because you're my son. That's why. I'm proud of you. I tell him that every day. So we're, this, is not, this is talking about being, uh, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? The Bible calls it uh, having haughty eyes, right, or being conceited or being thinking that you're better or above every other, every, everybody else, right? So love is not proud. Love is not rude. Oh, come on, let's say that again. Love is not rude because unfortunately, some of the rudest people come to church on Sunday. Oh. I know that's a, that's, a hard, that's a tough pill to swallow, but that's the truth, man. Some of the rudest people are the ones who come to church. Some of the rudest people are your own family, your own friends sometimes. Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. What does that mean? You're not uh, uh, selfish. 
Always seeking what you can gain out of the situation or out of a relationship or a friendship. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. How many of us have anger issues? Let's not lie in the house of God, amen? How many of us get frustrated really easily, right? We got a short fuse, man. Woo! Love is not easy. Look at it. It doesn't say love never gets angry. It says love is not easily angered. Because even the Bible says that you can get angry, just don't sin. The Bible says that Jesus got angry. When he walked into the temple and he saw all these people selling uh, animals and other things for sacrifices, for offerings. And they were selling it two, three, four, seven, ten times more expensive than what they were supposed to. And they were taking advantage of those who couldn't afford what they needed to offer to God. He got upset. Angry to the point. The Bible says that he created a whip. Jesus was something else, man. He made a whip and started swinging that whip at all these people that were taking advantage and flipping over their tables. The Bible says that love doesn't easily get angry. Okay? It keeps no record of wrongs. Ooh, that's a tough one. It keeps no, it holds no grudges. No resentment, no unforgiveness. Because resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness come from what? When we hold records of wrong. Well, they did this to me in the past, or this church did this to me in the past, or that person said this to me 10 years ago. You don't even remember what it was they told you, but there you are, upset, because you know something happened 10 years ago. There's people who are upset at other people just because their families don't like them. There's cousins that you don't get together with because your parents and their parents don't get along, but you've never even met that person. Oh, we just don't talk to so-and-so. Why? Ah, it doesn't matter. We just don't talk to them. Love holds no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. What does that mean? You don't get happy and excited when something goes wrong for someone else. When someone didn't get the promotion, when somebody didn't get the raise because you think you deserve it more than them, you don't get excited and you don't laugh and you don't mock them. Ooh, baby. I love being the guest speaker in this house, man. Because I say what I got to say and I leave. (laughs) I don't see y'all for another three, four months. I don't know. Pastor Bob and Karen have to deal with the aftermath. (laughs) Love does not delight, does not rejoice in evil. Instead, it rejoices with the truth. Mm. It always protects. It always protects. Kind of goes hand in hand with the previous one. Love does not rejoice when something goes wrong for someone else. But if somebody falls into sin, if somebody makes a mistake, if somebody falls back into their old habits, you don't go out and expose them. You go and protect them. And instead of gossiping about them to someone else, you go and you pray for them and say, hey, how can I help you, man? Hey, we all fall. It's, it's about getting up, man. How can I help you? Let me pray for you. And nobody else beyond y'all two have to know what's going on. Just pray for them. Now, if they open up and say, hey, you know what? I need counseling. I need need to talk to the pastors. Then you be the one to help them get there. But you protect them. You don't go and blast them on Facebook. 
I can't stand those comments on Facebook where they leave it open, where you don't know who they're talking about, but you know they're talking about somebody. And they just want to, they want to make you go to the comments and say, hey, what happened? Who are you talking about? You know? I hate those. Like, if you're going to gossip, just go- put it out there. If not, then don't say anything. Love always protects. Always trust. Oh, my God, we probably won't even get past. Because I could preach for three hours. Y'all know that. I mean, this is the opening text, guys. Okay, so I'm trying to get past this part. Because we got like 17 points that I want to get to. Just joking. It always protects. Love always trust. Oh, that's a tough one. Because you lose my trust. Oh, baby. It's going to take a lot to gain it back. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that how we live? Now, look, let me say this. I'm not going to go and trust some stranger on the street with my kids. That's not what it's talking about. Okay. Keep your kids safe, all right? I don't, I, we go to, I, I don't know how I, man, I think about it in the past. And, you know, we used to go to the stores and, you know, like Ross, right? They have all these racks everywhere. And when Oziah was younger, he used to like to hide in there. I'd be like, boy, I need to see you at all times. Like, I need to know where you're at. And then I'm thinking about like, bro, I used to do that when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, dang, bro. And I, because I, I need to know where they're at. I need to see, especially with every, how the world is today with kids and all. Listen, in the past week, not even the past week, the past three, four, five days, I'm sure y'all have gotten it. Amber alert after amber alert, one after another, one after another, one after another. I'm like, God, God is showing us something. There's a need. You know what I've started doing maybe about six, seven months ago? I started making it a habit. Every time an Amber Alert comes up, I stop and pray immediately. Because that could be my kid. That could have been my son. That could have been my daughter. I stop everything and I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for that child. I pray for that, 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 that girl, that boy, that you would bring them back to safety. You know what I've stopped saying? God, bring them back to their mom and dad. Why? Because sometimes it's the mom or the dad that takes them. So I said, no, 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 bring them back to safety, whatever that is. Whatever that looks like and whoever that looks like, bring them back to safety. I pray that they do no harm to this child, physically, emotionally, mentally. And I I pray this to God. I pray a David prayer. When David used to pray for his enemies, I said, God, I pray for this person that you would stop them in their tracks. That the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon their life so strong that your Holy Spirit physically would stop them. Stop what they're doing, that they would feel so convicted that they would come, return that child to safety, and turn themselves into the police. That's my prayer. Every time, and this past week, there's been like five, six Amber Alerts. I'm like, Jesus, protect my children, protect my... So I'm not saying go and trust everybody with your kids. That's not what I'm saying. What the Bible is talking about this, love always trusts. In other words, if a person loses your trust, you should be open and willing to do whatever it takes to get them back into your trust. Where you don't cut them off for completely. Now, trust has to be earned, right? Trust has to be gained. It has to be earned. You have to build trust with people. And when somebody does something wrong or something against you and they lose your trust, the word of God says, God's love always will give them a second chance. You'll, you'll, you'll make, you'll start the process of trusting them once again. 
Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Now, listen. Of course, there, there are different degrees of love and different definitions like we spoke earlier, right? And, and there's, there's four truths that come to mind. And, and, and as we meditate on these verses, as we go through these verses, right? And I want to talk about four things very quickly. I'll try to fly through these as, as much as I can, right? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, love. And I know all the kids are in the house, man. How can we say this? Kids, cover your ears. No, I'm joking. Love is not only intimacy. You know, that, that was, that was, the, that was the, the biggest advice that my dad gave me when I told him, Dad, I want to get married. He goes, son, that's a great thing. He says, but son, I want you to know and understand that marriage is not all about intimacy. Because love is not just about, intimacy is an expression of your love for that person. Now, we're, talk, we're talking about married couples, amen? We're not promoting intimacy out of marriage. We're not promoting any of like that. So intimacy, what God created intimacy within marriage. He established marriage first. Listen to this. Go to the Bible. Go to Genesis. God established marriage first, right? And he only brought Adam a suitable helper when Adam had already developed and built a relationship with God. After Adam had already done what God had commanded him to do, he told him, work the ground. He said, name all the animals, do this, do that. Once Adam was loving God with all of his heart, once Adam was serving God with all of his strength, then God brought him a spouse. Listen, that's going to be a whole other sermon on marriage. and A lot of people want the spouse before they dedicate their heart and their life and their service to God. So God brings, God has this relationship with Adam, right? Then he establishes marriage. The Bible says that he provided, you know, Adam went to a deep sleep, took a rib out of his side and formed and designed the woman and brought the woman to him. And he called them one. What is that marriage? He married them. Basically they became a marriage. And then the Bible says, okay, now go be fruitful and multiply. Now go be fruitful and multiply. So intimacy came after marriage. That was just a little parenthesis there, right? But love is not just intimacy, right? We live in a world that equates love with intimacy. And however, a lot of what the world calls love is really lust. Love is when you look at a person and think, how can I help them? Lust is when you look at a person and think, how can they satisfy me? There's a big difference. If you've fallen into the trap, listen church, if you have fallen into the trap of thinking of love in terms of intimacy, then you need to change your thinking. Otherwise, you will never experience what love really is and you will never develop strong and lasting relationships. Why does this, why do I always fail? Why am I always going from, uh, you know, boyfriend to boyfriend, relationship to relationship? Why I always have a different, we, you know, there's people you, they come to church every Sunday with different girl every week. Like, oh my God. Okay. And now you got to start the whole process of meeting this person and, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, so why you can never build a long lasting, strong, healthy relationship 
if the love of God is not at the center of that relationship. If lust is at the center of that relationship, that's why relationships fail more than they succeed. Number two, talking about what is love, right? Love is not, we talked about what love was. Love is not, sorry, love is not intimacy. Also love, number two, is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion, it's not a feeling. You see, the world says that love is an emotion, which is not true. Now, love affects emotions. Love can can affect the way you feel. It creates emotions, right? Love can stir up some emotions that you probably never felt before. But love is not an emotion in itself. You see, what an emotion, uh, sorry, when an emotion is healthy, it arises only when it is needed. It shifts and changes in response to its environment and it recedes willingly once it has addressed the issue. Y'all with me? When love is healthy, it does none of these things. An emotion comes and goes and that's what it's designed for. Imagine if you feel angry 24-7 all the time, even in your sleep. Imagine if you felt sad all the time, depressed, So when an emotion is healthy, it comes and goes. And that's the way God designed it. There's going to be times where you're going to feel afraid, but you don't have to live afraid 24-7. There's going to be times where you're going to be angry towards something, but then it goes away, and it should. You can get angry. Just calm down. Take a deep breath. Go walk it off. Calm down. It comes and goes. And that's the way emotions are designed. But the love of God does none of those things. It doesn't come and go. Love is not an emotion. Love just should not come and go based on the situation, based on what's being said, based on what they did or didn't do. Well, I love this person as long as they treat me right. That's false love. I'm sorry. If emotions repeat themselves endlessly or appear with the same exact intensity over and over again, then something's wrong. There's an imbalance. Yet real love is steadfast. It's a steadfast promise that repeats itself endlessly through life and even beyond death. That's what love is. Love does not increase or decrease in response to its environment. And it does not change with the changing winds of life. Life changes. There's ups and downs. There's mountains and valleys. And you get upset. You get sad. Love does not change based on those things. Love is not an emotion. So it doesn't behave the way emotions do. And number three, love is is an action. I have two more. I'm going to try to get to this as, as, as quick as I can. Love is an emotion. We talked about what love was not. Let's talk about what love is, right? Love is an action. Love isn't something you feel or something you say. Imagine if the Bible only said that, uh, you know, uh, John three sixteen for God so loved the world. That's nice and pretty and thank you, God. But had there been no action to express that love? And those words would have been in vain. There would be no salvation. There would be no church. There would be no hope of us ever making it to heaven. 
But there was action that took place. For God so loved the world that he sent. He gave. It's action. It's a verb. Love is a verb. It has action. Love is not something you feel or something you say. It's something you do. Let's go over these verses real quick. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. You know what that means, that love always perseveres? Keeps on going. Never gets tired of loving. But man, you don't know how many times they failed me. Yeah, you know how many times you failed God and he still loves you? You know how many times I've failed God? He still loves me. With the same intensity as he did when he was hanging on that cross. With his arms wide open, bleeding out. To save me. If, if God only loved us when we did right, oh my God. Love always perseveres. It pushes through, it pushes past the offense. It pushes beyond the hurt. It pushes beyond the pain. It perseveres. Notice the 14 different actions Paul uses to describe love, right? Patience, kindness, it, it, it isn't rude, always protects, etc. We just read them. You see, love in a nutshell or very simply put, is, is the goodwill that you show toward someone else. The goodwill that you show toward someone else, but you don't know what they did, either way. You don't know what they said, either way. It's treating someone with the qualities described in verses 4 through 7. You see, let's take Jesus for example, right? He once said this, my command is this, in the book of John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. I don't know if we have them, but I, I, I'm going to read it to you. It says, he once said, my command, what is a command? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. A command. God is commanding us, giving us a direct order. And as part of the army of God, right? We like to claim like, oh, we're the army of the Lord. Yeah, you know what that means? You have no say so. Anybody here ever been in the army? In the military? Okay. Unless you're the person in charge, who else has authority there? Everybody has authority over you. You become property of the United States of America. You no longer belong to yourself. (laughs) My dad was 17 years old. Rebellious. In Puerto Rico. He's Puerto Rican. That's that's probably why. (laughs) You know what he did? To get away from authority, his mom telling him what to do. He came to the United States and joined the army. Go figure. Where everybody else tells you what to do and everybody else has authority but you. (laughs) That's insane. Like, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Not a suggestion. Not an option. Love each other the same way I've loved you. So let me ask you this. 
general question for everybody. How has God loved you? You don't have to answer. It's rhetorical just for you to, in your own spirit, your own self. Just think about it. How has God loved you? Or how has God been to you? Has he been merciful? Has he shown grace? Has he given you second chances? After chances? After chances? After chances? We can go on forever. Not only does God give us second chances, but he gives us infinite chances because we do the same thing over and over. And God, please, if you help me, I won't do it again. And guess what? He helps you. He steps in. He intervenes. He changes things around. And guess what? Three months later, you find yourself in the same mess. Do it over and over. It's a vicious cycle. Oh, God, really? This time? This time for real? God, for reals? For reals? You're from the West Side, right? I don't know. God, for reals, for reals, this time, see, de veras, Dios, if you, if you help me this time, I know I messed up in the past, and I told you the same thing, but this time I really, really mean it. God says, you know what, okay, I'll give you another chance. And what do we do? Back to the same mess again. Pastor, but you don't know what they did to me, and it's just, it's, un, it's unpardonable, it's the unpardonable sin. Well, how many times have we sinned against God? How many times have we felt God? And time and time and time and time again, God forgives us. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his very own life for his friends. It's referring to Christ. He laid down his life for us. Listen, you know what's incredible about this? Jesus says, greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You know who only has greater love than this? Jesus himself. You know why? Because he laid down his life for his enemies. He says, bro, if you lay down your life for your friend, you are incredible. There's no greater love than that. God says, except for mine. Because I laid down my life for you, when you rejected me, when you wanted nothing to do with me, when you were my enemy, I laid down my life. Not because you were my friend, but because you hated me. I still loved you. And I still laid down my life. That's amazing. Then he went out and laid down his life for us by dying on the cross. He did something to build us up. He did something that was going to build us up as the church. That right there, my friends, is love. That's love. So let me ask you, what about you today? Husbands and wives in this place. Do you love each other? Husbands and wives, think about it. Do you love it? Yeah, I love my wife. I've been with her for, you know, 78 years. Hold on now. Because time does not equate to love. Well, man, I've, I've, you know, I've been with her for, for 50 years. My dad's going to celebrate 50 years of marriage this year in May, May 1st, 50 years. They need a, they need a trophy or certificate. They shoot. You know what I'm saying? Just give them the lottery this year. Just get this month. Just give it to them. Like they deserve it, you know? And I'll tell you this, man, um, not just because they're my mom and dad, but, but they love each other, man. They've been through hell with each other. 
They've done ministry together, a ministry that nobody really wants to do and deal with. My father and mother, they pastor in Puerto Rico. They have a ministry of almost over 45 years where they help people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol and everything in between. And today they're still hands-on, man. Still hands-on. My mom's 72, I think, 72. Hopefully she's not hearing this. If I get it wrong, right? My dad's up there. He's just four years younger than her, you know? And today you see them and they're like boyfriend and girlfriend, man. Like they love each other. They enjoy each other's company. They go out to eat. Like they just, they look so full of joy. Like God, I want to be that when I grow up. I want to enjoy my spouse's company. I want to be able to go out and eat and enjoy and just have fun and enjoy our time together. Enjoy our marriage and just put everything aside. And that doesn't matter. But time does not equate to love. Love is an action. An action is something you do. And lastly, number four, love is a choice. There's a myth going around that says that love is uncontrollable. Like, oh man, I I just couldn't help it. I fell in love. Love is blind. No, love is stupid sometimes. Well, listen to this. You don't fall in love any more than you fall out of love. In other words, the same way you say, oh, I just fell in love, man, I couldn't help it. Just like that, you fall out of love with that person. Why? Because every day you wake up, you have to choose to love. You have to make the steps and take action to love that person in spite of their mistakes, their failures, their flaws, because you got them too. We tend to look at everybody else's flaws and mistakes, but you got, you got quite a few as well. I got my own flaws and mistakes and failures. What does the Bible say? We're, we're, we're over here trying to tell everybody, oh, you got a speck in your eye. You're doing this and that. But the Bible says what? We're over here with a big old log coming out of our eye. Deal with your own log before you try to help someone else with their little speck that's in their eye. It's easy to point out other people's faults and say, you know what? Yeah, we can't be together no more. Yeah, you know, the love, that little whole love thing went away. I don't feel the same about you. Love is a choice. Now, listen, if, you're, if you are single and dating, listen, you know, uh, this is what I learned, Pastor Bob. Until you say I do, until you say I do, then you have the right to say, you know what? I don't think this is working out. It's not healthy for me. Now, if you're basing it on a selfish motive, then it's wrong. But if if that relationship is causing you to get away from God, then you have the right to say, you know what? This is not right for me. This is not right for me. But once you say, I do, oh boy, put your seatbelt on. Because it's a ride. It's a tough one. Man, we went went on a roller coaster in Orlando uh, about two years ago. No, we found out that Angela was pregnant during that time. We didn't know that she was at the time. We found out later on. We went on the scariest, tallest, fastest roller coaster of our life. And you know what made it even worse? That we waited like an hour in line because everybody wanted to get on it. You know how it goes. 
And we get, we're the next ones in line, next ones to go. And they're like, uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take about 15 more minutes. Uh, there's been a malfunction and we're just going to run a few tests. And I was like, praise the Lord. God help us, Jesus. I was like, man, but I've been here for an hour. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go, you know, we went on and praise God, we're still alive. Amen. But it was the scariest, scariest, scariest roller coaster of our life. And I don't even know why I brought that up. But anyways, <laughs> praise the Lord. I guess I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I got spiritual ADD sometimes, guys. Y'all pray for me, man. Love is a choice. In spite of the ups and downs. When you're married, oh, that's what I'm talking about. Put your seatbelt on, right? Roller coaster is going to get crazy. It's going to get wild. So be some times where you're going to hate each other's guts. But love perseveres. Love pushes through because love is a choice. Amen. But I'm going to tell you this as we close today. Love is a choice. And the first love that you need to choose today is God's love. Why? Because the, the agape love that we're talking about only comes from him. And if you do not have him, there's no way you could ever express his love. You see, we're not talking about expressing our own human love to people and trying our best to be kind and trying our best to not say anything and trying our best to, if we get mad, just cool, cool off, cool down. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about expressing God's love. And when you, ex- when you allow God to express his agape love through you, it becomes so easy. You don't have to be like, oh, God, I got to be kind today. Oh, I'm going to be patient. Jesus, give me patience. The worst thing you can tell God is to give you patience. I'm just going to be straight up. Lord, give me patience. No, don't do that. Why? Because he doesn't give you patience. He gives you trials. And he gives you kids that are running up and down the church, driving you crazy on your last nerve. Why? So that you can learn how to express patience. So just be careful what you pray for. You know what I'm saying? What does the Bible say? Love is patient. And it's easy to be patient, Pastor Bob, when you're allowing God to be patient for you. But you cannot express God's agape love if you don't first know his agape love. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. If there's anybody in this room today, yeah, Amen. If there's anybody in this room today, yes, you want to encounter God's agape love today. His love is kind, patient, bears all things, perseveres, doesn't run out, doesn't give up. It's unconditional. If you want to be able to say, you know what, God, I want to be able to express that love to my spouse, to my kids and to my coworkers and The only way you can do that is by accepting his love. You can't express something you don't have. You can't give something you don't have. So today, if you're in this room and you want to receive God's agape love, his unconditional love for your life. As we read earlier, the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's your part, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, that he died, was buried, and rose again for your sins, you today will be forgiven of all of your sins.
you will receive the love of the Father in your life. He will come to live inside of you, and now you can begin to express his love to other people. If that is you today, in a way, I'm going to kind of challenge you today because the word of God says that if you are ashamed of me before man, I will be ashamed of you before my heavenly father. And I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I want Jesus and God to tell me, my good and faithful servant, you did well. I don't want God to be ashamed of me. So don't be ashamed of him. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to say yes to the love of God, the love of the father today, would you go ahead and stand wherever you're at? No one looking around. This is personal between them and God. Would you go ahead and stand? This is your moment. This is your time. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation right now. You know why? Because our life is like a vapor in the wind. It's here now and gone immediately. We don't know how much time we have left on earth. You can say, man, well, I'm I'm young. I have my whole life ahead of me. You probably do. You probably don't. You don't know. Only God knows. Because the Bible says he has written down every single one of your days. He knows when it's time for you to go. But you and I don't. So I encourage you today, make your peace with God today. So when he's ready to take you, He's taking you home with him. You know exactly where you're going. Receive the love of the Father right now. For those who are standing, would you say this prayer with me and I'm done. Say this. If you can say it audibly, I would really appreciate that. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that I'm lost without you. And I need you now. Forgive me for all of my sins. I give you my heart, my mind, my life. And today, I choose to follow and serve you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.